All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Bias Brothers. In the house, you have Big Dave and specially invited guest, Mackenzie Kamara David. Welcome <laughs> to the Bias Brothers. First time having you on. It's amazing to have the current <laughs> CFU secretary on the pod. So just give us a little insight. I'm a, I'll call you, I, I grew up calling you Kenson, so we're a little different. So okay, well I'll try it Kamara, but you know naturally, but yeah. All good. All good, no complaints. Uh, just they take it one day at a time, like everybody trying to uh navigate through this pandemic times. So uh so yeah, for now all good. How are things with you? Everything good, you know, same trying to navigate this current pandemic we find ourselves in. I mean Football uh, in general had a bit of a standstill at a well under the national team early and well under the national women's team currently in training. So being and again a, a little backstory into me being a referee. Mm-hmm. Kamara actually posted it on Instagram, Central Zone, looking for referees. And yeah, I like you see what I'm saying? He said, Yeah, well, go out and try out, and well, the rest is she has a referee now. So I mean. Just showing you how sometimes like one person just kind of gets into that level and elevate, you know, other people could find out because had you not been in that position, would I have found out about referee? Most I think definitely. not. Nice. I well, mean, I'm happy to hear that you, uh, you, you, you went on with it and you're well in it. So yeah. congrats on that. Hopefully I see you up in the big stages too. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is, kind of, who kind of, Came up with the referee too, so oh, it's a big nice. triangle here. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, triangle. that's sweet. It's well, it's only a matter of time for you guys to get into it because um, I mean, we're in, we we know and we know starting the convo, but uh, if I could touch on refereeing for a bit, yeah. a lot of people um see refereeing as they they don't see it as something important, right? They just see referees referee. Um, a lot of young kids, boys and girls, uh, you know, when we were in secondary school, everybody wants to be this professional footballer. Everybody wants to play in Europe in these big leagues with these big Manchester United and stuff like that. And uh, nobody really cares or takes on, hey, I could actually be a referee and, you know, try and make something out of it. All right. Um, we all know the statistics where probably about 1% of the entire, 1% or less of the entire will professional footballers actually live the kind of lives that we see footballers living, you know? That's the ballers in England and all of these places. But outside of that is 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 a struggle, you know? Although you're doing what you you get in paid for what you love to do. But outside of that, you know, it's it's not the big extravagant things. But a refereeing is actually a career that that pays and it gives you a lot of perks as well in that you get to travel all over the globe. I mean, I've I know a couple of referees in the Caribbean from where I sit. Um, they get into refereeing, be, refereeing because you know they just wanted to contribute to the game, or they just you know somebody tell them get into refereeing. And listen, they've made it. They've traveled all over the Concacaf region, Central America. Uh, they've they've refereed in Nations League games. And a lot of the women as well, they have actually gone on to 
to refereeing the World Cups. And we know there's so much World Cup. There's on the 17 Girls World Cup, on the 20 Girls World Cup, there's Senior World Cup. So there's always football happening. And you tend to see the referees tend to be on the on the uh, on the latter side of the of, of the scale where they probably I don't know 35 plus or probably 40 years plus because they see it as oh they can't play football anymore. But a referee for World Cup gets I would say about I'm 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 not hundred percent sure, but I think it's about like 125k US just to referee in a World Cup. And that's something you make in a month, a World Cup tournament, and that could be an entire pay, you know? That's the entire pay for the entire year. And you make that in a, in, in a month. And professional referees in the EPL, they get a salary of about 200,000 200, uh, 200, pounds a year, you know, for being a professional referee. So referee pays uh, a ton load of money and if, if more people could see that and you know make that shift it can it can do them pretty well okay i mean locally when you actually posted it i mean i saw it and i was like i was in shogunas at the time so i was saying well it's right on the road i might as well go and see well what i could learn about the game and already mm-hmm. footballers at a standstill i like i went and it actually was interesting to know how much about the game I didn't know, like in terms yeah. of the rules, the diameters, the pitch can be a square, all these things you take for granted, the size of the goalposts and whatnot. There's only by attending, you really kind of get a feel for it and whatnot. So, I mean, it was, it is, as you say, very interesting, but a lot of these things that when you do research, you see kids as young as 12, as young as 14, as young as 15, actually being heavily pushed into the referee. When you're yeah. in general, when you're 14, what are you talking about being a referee? You're talking Correct. about the game. Correct. It's, it's, it's something in the entire Caribbean, and it's one of the projects are uh, actually looking to introduce at the CFU where we bring referees and in, refereeing into schools, uh, a referees in schools program to actually push that uh, the raise the awareness of actually becoming a referee and having a career in refereeing at a younger age. So I agree with yeah. her. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with her. Yeah, yeah, it would be nice. And it's you to get to rub shoulders with the, with, the, with the best players, too. So, exactly. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, it's the next year to see the game, eh? As, yeah. And it's the best Good. seat in the house. Good. Best seat in the house. You can get a front row seat in me. And you have VR to help you. You know, yeah. so if you make a bad decision. So we don't have VR at this level. But, yeah. Not as yet, <laughs> but, you know. But it's, it's, uh, it's one. It's it definitely something that helps you, as you said, get to know the game and see the game from a different side. Um, two, as I said, it has many perks for it um, in terms of uh, financially and, you know, touring the world because when you go on these trips and these tournaments, you know, you have a day or two to actually go and explore a city and make new friends and you create a network and things like that. And uh, three, for your overall health, I mean, the referees nowadays have to be hella fit referee at any level so yeah. you gotta be on top of your game making sure that probably probably fitter or as fit as these professional players you know have to make these exactly because you have to keep up with the game where whereby a player might be jogging back from a player or whatever you gotta sprint to the other side to keep up with the player so yeah so um, just to give us some insight tomorrow tell us how you went from attending university to your current part, even playing football with the 
President of FIFA. Let's give us a kind of guide. I mean, uh, let's give us a guide really how you started from being in UE straight up to exactly where you got. Well, I could start from even further than that. I mean, as I said earlier, every young kid uh, in Trinidad wants to be the next right York. Um, you know, everyone, uh, every boy wants to train to see themselves playing in the Champions League or whatever. And that didn't quite work out too well for me, obviously. Um, at the age of, I would say, um, I wouldn't say 21, but even during secondary school, um, when I wrote CXC and I was getting into CAPE and stuff, the idea of getting an open scholarship to actually go abroad to study anywhere in the world, it, it kind of, you know, it, it appealed to me. So obviously, I know I wanted to go to England to study. That time, you know, I want to go to England and play football. But for me, that, that was the start. That was actually the start of something I didn't see happening. And people say, uh, the, the saying goes, what? Um, people as plan and God as laugh. So yeah. that's, this was all in my plans, you know. And me personally, I'm a very spiritual person. I tend to put God as, at the center of everything that I do, ask for his guidance and in every and every and anything that I do. So, you know, I was always praying and, you know, asking God for, you know, to be a professional footballer and get into football and all these different things. And then on the other side, you know, my mom was always telling me things like, you know, it would be somebody big on the field in football. It would be somebody big off the field in football. I didn't know what she meant by that. I didn't really take it on. I knew in my heart I was going to be playing for Manchester United. You know. um, so, yeah. So, I ended up doing the Cape and I got a scholarship. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, it was an additional scholarship. So, I, I said I'd just go UE and, uh, and use the scholarship there to be from Cape. And there I studied economics as my uh, first degree and then uh, well I did a double major in economics and sports management um, the economics was really to satisfy my parents you know growing up at that age your parents always want you to get into the mainstream of things doing things that nobody heard of you know want to be a doctor lawyer working in the bank and all these different things and my dad actually was you know pushing the economics part so that I could become so I could be working in central bank, you know. Um, but I know in my heart I wanted to do sports management because I like sports and it's something, you know, I think, you know, I could develop something for that. Um, I would say my first month, uh, yeah, possibly in my first month of you in first year, I was already looking at uh, what I could do down the road. I was already looking at what I'm going to do when I'm finished this. And I started to research, you know, masters in sports management and all these different things. Um, and seeing that sports management for me was a new, a new uh, field in the whole uh, academic field of things. Um, I wanted to do the best sports management masters there is, right? Uh, that would obviously set me apart from the rest and actually bump me up uh, when it is people looking for graduate sports management. Um, one advice I tend to give uh, persons that doing sports management now at UWE is again, because it's still fairly new to the whole academics and things like that, always try to do something else with it. You know, just don't do sports management as a standalone, do something to always 
fall back on or not, not necessarily fall back, but, uh, you know, tie into sports management. Because when you look at the whole sports management field, the careers that you can do in sports management, it's similar, it's 100% similar to what you can do in regular business, right? So whether it be sports finance, whether it be sports communication, whether it be uh Marketing. Just management on sports, management on the whole, marketing, marketing. Um, legal, sports, law, all these different law, things. So yeah. anything you could think of as a, as a regular business would do, a sports business would do with obviously inclined on sport, right? Um, so yeah, so when so through my research, I saw this FIFA Masters. It was ranked number one in the world. Um, and it's been in the top three in the world ever since um, and ranking number one in Europe ever since. So from there, I set my eyes, say, I'm, I want to do this FIFA master thing as soon as I graduate from UWE. And it so happened that UWE actually signed an agreement with the university or the sports institute in Switzerland, actually, is the... Uh, who, who does the FIFA master um, and this was the CIS, CIS and the CIS has a postgraduate diploma that you can do that actually gives you a scholarship a full paid tuition scholarship to go on to do the FIFA master right um, so yeah so from there my eyes were set that uh, my eyes were set that hey definitely going to do this FIFA master and everything was get towards this um, so went through UE every day just thinking, hey, I want to graduate now, I want to graduate now, just get over with this thing because I was so excited to get into this FIFA master thing and, you know, just being anything associated with FIFA has this, uh, this, this credibility behind it, you know. So that was one my, one my eyes were uh, set on from my first year in UE. Um, so... Went through university, uh, graduated um, with the economics and sports management, and I signed up right away to do this CIES postgraduate diploma at UE. I had zero experience in 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 sports in terms of uh, working job wise, zero. Right, um, I didn't know how to start a football match, plan a football match, and nothing like that. Um, so yeah, so I went and did uh, an interview. You have to do an interview to get to get into the CIES postgraduate diploma. And I told them straight off the bat, hey, I'm doing this because as a stepping stone to get into the FIFA master, right? And they were like, okay, cool. And so what experience do you have in sport? I was like, oh, really do I have anything? I never worked in any sports organization, never did any sports event or anything like that. So I was fairly, uh, fairly new. Right. And a lot of people don't know that they think, you know, um, I probably had all this experience in sport. I had no experience at all in sport. And they told me at the time was the first year that they were actually doing CPL in Trinidad and Tobago. And they say, why don't you just go and volunteer and do things like that? And to me, that was actually the first time I actually thought about or, or heard someone talk about volunteering in a sporting event. Right. It was not something that. I heard before, and mind you, when I was uh, at that age, I didn't have any role model or anybody to look up to, to or anybody to 
to guide me uh, into a certain career in the sports management. I was just doing all these different things based on my my own research. But come no, on. Uh, so you um, No, that's why. And you know, speak about volunteering, and that it was new to you, right? But in the sports management degree, because I did sports management as well, mm-hmm. volunteering is part of the degree. You do have a right. volunteering in the the internship in sport. No, not internship. Uh it is on the what course now on the world. I can't even remember what course it's on, but volunteering is part of one of the courses that you have to do in the degree. Oh, okay. So I I kind right, of so wonder kind of wonder how yeah. it's new to uh, I never I never we never had that course in our um in, when I did it. Okay. Yeah we never had it. The only thing we had was an internship in sport. And yeah. I, and my best friend is uh Jehu Gordon the hurdler, yeah. and me and him went on to do uh the entries, and we did some in a couple hours there. Um, we was just answering some phones and preparing the uh, they had a meet or something, so we were preparing for that. Um, so again, so I was fresh, zero experience, okay. if you want to call whatever thing I did at the entry experience, then fine. But he told me, yeah, just go on and volunteer. And I was like, okay, this was something new again. And, and I was talking about, you know, I didn't have anybody to look up to or to guide me as to a particular direction. Now there's persons like myself who people, you know, find want to know more about how I get into the sports as I'm doing here and telling them my story and the different things that they can do, you know. Um, so, yeah, I didn't know. To, to be 100% honest, I didn't know that the sports, the sports, uh, industry had all of these different facets yeah. i had no idea like i was just you know for me it was just before my love of the game football my passion for football and just wanted yeah. to possibly work in fifa you know um again i was uh seeing watching a champions the game like any regular support or fan or whatever just seeing 11 22 guys around after kicking up football but everything happening behind the scenes and all the planning i didn't know anything i didn't know about all these different things that are happening in the sport industry, which is, you know, an entire conversation we could have, we could have uh, separate. So, so you didn't, uh, uh, didn't do event management? Yeah, all of these things. But again, the the level of what I did at university okay. to what I know yeah. is to be, you know, yeah. like even management, I could, I could do a farm, plan a family, they plan a little small goal tournament or something like that. But when you get to the higher levels and you see what the the lengths and the the how far they, they go with this with the, this thing is is chalk and cheese, you know. But with all due respect, the 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 degree definitely gives you that foundation to you know to to move on to the next level. So um so yeah so I went and did volunteer. I did a year, uh, sorry, not a year. I did the CPL volunteer that year. I was working in sponsorship, um, well, volunteering in sponsorship, you know. Again, nothing to, to say, yeah, I really, you know, I, I, I got a good feel of what sponsorship is. No, it was just, you know, just being in the environment, you know, understanding all the work behind the scenes and things, it started to open my eyes. Um, and then, as I said, how we plan on God laugh. 
because I got that degree, that uh, that scholarship, to, to that additional scholarship, it more or less entitled me to a job after I was after I graduated with the government. So it had an opening at the sport company of Trinidad and Tobago at that time, and they end up uh, through my through the scholarship that I got, I end up getting a, a job with the sports company of Trinidad and Tobago. Um, my boss at the time, I don't know if you guys know a guy named Karen Surrett, who's, yeah. uh, who's right. So he was, he actually hired me and he could tell you about the million questions I would have asked him in my first couple of months at sports company, because again, everything was fairly new and seeing how things operate from the government side. And, you know, everybody likes to blame the government and doing this and not doing that. That was once me until I got into the and the system and saw how things are actually upper, uh, operated uh, there. So, um, so, yeah, so I end up uh, doing the sports management diploma with CIES while working at the sports company at that time. Um, that took a year, and then I applied for this FIFA master's degree. Um, again, by the grace of God, definitely, I have to say I'm blessed because when you look at the caliber of students that they um, they accept for the FIFA master degree, as students with tons of experience in sport, um, is students that speak three and four different languages, you know, and you really see the competition there is out there, and again. I was just working in a sports company as a business analyst. Uh, it so happened. It so happened again. I have to say thanks to God that in my last last couple months, Brent Sancho came in as the sports minister there. And he pulled me and Kyra on a side and said, hey, I want you guys to develop a women's professional league for me, you know, Ooh. do a feasibility study on that. And that was where I got the experience I needed to, you know, actually talk about uh talk about working in sports industry because we started we did that women's Premier League from scratch we had girls flying from all over the world girls from man city girls from brazil girls from uh from the us d1 colleges coming to, to participate in this first ever caribbean women's professional league and running everything from the events planning to register well, register any business you know, uh, doing the by doing up the bylaws and the the uh, all illegal stuff for the for the business, all these different things was things I didn't know. That but is, things um, that I end up. Mm-hmm. That was wolf. No, not wolf. Not oh. wolf. It was a women's Premier League that we did last three months in twenty fifteen, um, and we had oh. we we had the top top woman in the Caribbean actually uh playing playing um playing in this league. Uh, so it was one of the best experiences that I had. Um, it definitely again opened my eyes to see things from a different a, a different level. And again, with no experience planning something from scratch, the con- trying to get the concept out to actually executing was one of the best experiences ever. And uh, right after that, uh, again doing the interview for the FIFA Masters, you have to. Is about three different uh, three different stages that you have to pass uh, to go through to actually finally being accepted, whether it's country or CV. Then they tell you make it to the next stage, and then you have to do an interview, and from there. So, um, so yeah, I went through all of that again with new experience. Just again, my passion for the game, 
And I would have met a couple of the guys who were actually on the interview panel when they came to Trinidad for the CIS program. And I told them, you know, I really want to do this FIFA Masters, speaking only English and all these different things. Everything was stacked up against me, you know. And somehow, um, it's the interview that I did for that FIFA master was far from an interview because I was just, I had my entire table was full of paper from all over. You know, I write, you know, I, I wrote all my points, everything that I answer when they asked me the certain questions. And one of the first questions that came out the interview, the, interv- uh, the interviewer's mouth was, um, so, uh, so you could play cricket like you like cricket. I was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, so you would be the guy to show the class and stuff uh, in September, how to play cricket and thing. It's like, okay, sure, no problem. And, you know, they was asking, who's your favorite cricketer? And if West Indies win and win the World Cup, that was the year West Indies actually won the, uh, the T20 World Cup and things like that. And I was like, cool. Yeah, and that was the interview for me, like, no lie. And they asked me no questions about, you know, what are my motivations and why I want to do this? Nothing like that. So I was hella confused as to, okay, what's happening? Like, am I going to get accepted? Do they not think of me? I, I don't know. And two or three weeks later, I got the email. I was accepted. And then I got another email that I was also, uh, they also want to award me the full scholarship tuition fee and everything. And I was like, wow, <laughs> like, it just came out the blue just like that. So again, that was God working as magic for me. And so I had to get personal expenses covered for this for the for uh for the sweeper master. And that was an entire year living abroad in England, Italy, and Switzerland 24-7. Just you know, there's no break. And it would have cost me over two hundred thousand TT to actually live comfortably in this uh yeah, while studying, because you have to pay for your flights, your accommodation, personal effects, all these different things. And again, God in the background working is magic as the, this is why Prince Sancho asked me to do the Women's Premier League. So as soon as I was finished with that, you know, I asked him about the possibility of getting a scholarship from the government, you know, to actually go out and do the things. And it was, hell yeah, like this is one of the top masters in the world. And he, and through him, the government covered all my personal expenses for the, uh, for the masters. So everything was basically taken care of for me. Wow. And yeah, it was, it was, everything just worked. If so, that's why, you know, one of my things is never, when, when things just don't work out for you, you know, you just don't worry about it because God has a bigger plan. Because look how way back when I wanted an open scholarship, you know, and he gave me additional scholarship. No idea why, but it, it opened the door for me to one, get the job. So it, uh, so it opened the door for me to, to end up with this, this league with, uh, with the minister, Brent Sancho, and then, you know, or everything just filtered into this one thing. I was like, boom, this is why everything happened this way. Um, so, yeah. So, went on to do this FIFA Masters. One of the, still is probably the best experience I had in terms of uh, sports in my entire life. Um, I mean, visiting all the, the, the grounds that, as a young boy, you would dream of Manchester United, Juventus, Man City, all these things, getting first-class VIP treatment at these grounds. I mean, one of the highlights to me was playing against the Man City staff, sleeping in the first-team hotel where Aguero and these guys would be sleeping. You know, um, it was 
it was something that which can explain the experience I had there. Um, everything was first class, top class, and it was one of the best, uh, still is the best experience to me to this date. I would want to go into the FIFA Masters again if I had the chance to. Um, and it was my first time out of the country for such a long time. So it was like, wow. You know, Did you go to um, Andrew? No, no, I actually had um, <laughs> I passed it because if you know where Everton, where Goodison Park yeah. is, right, yeah. it's right next to each other. So at yeah. that time, I got complimentary. During the Women's Premier League, we actually had Everton coaches come down to do our Everton in the community thing in Trinidad, and I had mm-hmm. connects through them. And when mm-hmm. I went back up to England, I linked back for them, and they gave me complimentary tickets to, um, to see Everton play Chelsea. And that was when Everton beat Chelsea 3-0 and Nee Smith scored a hat-trick. I'm not sure if you guys could remember that. Yeah. Um, in, in good yeah, I remember it. Yeah. Just, just yeah. kind of remember. <laughs> <laughs> so Nee Smith scored a hat-trick and it was one, again, that was my first Premier League game. Um, went in the Everton shop. I actually bought a Barkley, uh, Barkley t-shirt Ooh. because again, with the, with the staff, with the staff access and stuff, everything was, I got everything cheaper yeah. And um, and yeah, so that was my actually my first ever Premier League game. Um, so definitely one to remember. Um, and then my family who lives in England, my cousin, my cousin-in-law, her dad is actually an honorary president of Huddersfield. So I were able to get a tour of the whole Huddersfield grounds and know all the history and things like that. So yeah, that experience was nice. Again, linking up from the girls at Man City. Um, they, they they have season passes to United. So after you know, touring the field as if, as a FIFA master and going to VIP, they actually gave me one of their season passes to actually go and see uh, United City Derby. Unfortunately, that ended nil nil. Sad to say, but again, great experience. Oh, that's um, that one. Yeah, that it was at Old Trafford again. Great experience again. Um, I'm so, still having this weekend past the being too close to Anfield and not going in. I mean, I had a huh? run off that bus and run. <laughs> I'm not, drive, nobody want to go there. Really the, yeah, I'm not really the, the Liverpool guy, <laughs> right, but yeah, you know, I definitely, to. definitely, it's, it's one of the it? must. No, nah, definitely, it's one of the, uh, the, the most. I have to go there when I when I do uh, go drill and get back to it. I'll definitely make a trip to uh to Anfield because. I mean, just hearing how this thing and the whole atmosphere and stuff like that is something you definitely don't want to not live as a football fan, you know. Um, so, yeah, uh, Italy, Switzerland, you know, you tore all these big stadia, uh, you went to all these headquarters and things like that. And obviously for me, going through all this, my next step, obviously, seeing how God was working things out for me, I started again planning like a fool. Right, I'm going to work FIFA next and get into this internship in FIFA and all these different things. And this is called laughing again, like, ha, ah, that's what you think. Yeah. Um, so, stayed a couple. You extra- know that you brought that up because I actually wanted to ask you about your time in the Super League. Okay. Right. Yeah, right, so that's that's next because after I graduated, I stayed a couple months trying to see if I could get a job in Europe and things like that, but nothing was working out. And having this FIFA master degree, I thought, you know, people would should be knocking at my door wanting me to come and work for them. I send close to, 
and then I wouldn't even exaggerate between 75 to 100 CVs just sending CVs to all different companies and that one would get a call back for whatever reason mostly because I didn't have the European passport to work in Europe and that's such a, a, oh. a, a huge thing you know um, that year as well was the whole meltdown at FIFA uh, with the whole corruption I think so FIFA was going through a huge restructuring process so the usual internships that they would give, you know, afterwards, that whole process was very, uh, that, that whole process was abnormal. You know, normally as you graduate, they would choose some students or whatever to do an internship at FIFA. That didn't happen and flow as it usually does uh, do because of the whole FIFA meltdown and the restructuring and all this corruption things. So all of that, again, were factors why, you know, I can, I can nail a, a job at people, you know, UEFA and things like that. My classmates know, um, and we always used to say between our class, um, you know, we'll always we'll all end up where we want to be and where we should be in the end. And so said, so done as where, where I am now. I have uh, connects all my classmates, you know, working either in IOC, working lawyers in IOC, who's working in UEFA, who's working in FIFA and all these different things, uh, which, which, is, which is pretty good. Um, so yeah, so after came back home, couldn't take it no, no more. And I was like, what, what next? What next? Like, I didn't know what to do next. And uh, because I, you know, people were reading regularly about me and things like that, a guy named Norris Ferguson, you know, he had reached out to me because he wanted more information on the CIS thing. And, you know, I was giving him info and stuff like that. And he happened to be, friends with the then Super League president, Keith Lecloy, and they, and Keith Lecloy was actually looking for, you know, a young, vibrant person to come and be general secretary of the Super League. So I was actually recommended uh, to, to the president uh, to come and be the general secretary. And I was like, sure, no problem. That, that was, that, that is what I, that was the only offer on the table. So that's so how I ended up in the Super League. Um, and I brought in two, uh, two of my colleagues to work with me there. And it was arguably to this day the, the best run Super League season uh, in, 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 in the history. And I'm not just saying that because I did it. It was the whole revamp for the Super League. And, you know, we were booming on social media and everybody was so into it. And, you know, it was, it was fantastic. Again, new to me, but once you know you're a football fan and you have that basic knowledge and of doing finances and management and organizing everything you know it it, it worked out well so uh, so yeah so i did a year at the super league level um and then again i still thought that you know i could still nail a job back out in europe uh went back out there uh still looking for a job went uh i had a work a work fair um went to this job fair Still try this sports sports related job for you know still trying to nail this job you know actually again because of my connects at UEFA they actually invited me to the Europa League final that was happening uh in in uh where was this in Marseille yeah I think only on on Marseille was playing Atletico Madrid I think Atletico won that uh, yes no. 2018. 18. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 2018, yeah. 
So I, so I was fortunate enough to go out and experience, you know, a hell of a match. Okay, Kamara, in terms of like, I know you just mentioned in terms of your involvement in the Super League. So just give us a little insight into what you think was the necessary changes needed to get the Super League successful. Because I think, if I'm not mistaken, some of the teams like um, Guaya and all of these teams, or uh, even teams on the East Coast that had the Super League pumping, I say, I dare say, even more than the Pro League at, at different points. So, what do you yeah. think you and your team did that? made the Super League so successful and so widely supported? Well, we definitely uh, use the free social media uh, tool, right? One of the things that we aimed was to really, you know, uh, raise the awareness that uh, the, who the Super League is, what, what the league is, uh, who the teams are, and, and uh, try to get as much people behind the whole Super League movement. Uh, so we really focus on a lot of fan engagement uh, initiatives. Um, one of the things that... Uh, so And also actually streaming the games, uh, live, uh, live stream the games. Uh, I think we did the live stream, and I think in the second or third round, um, again, through my connection with FIFA, through the FIFA Masters, one of the uh, graduates from a long time ago, he actually had a company called MyPujo that you that used telephones, uh, cell phones, sorry, cell phones, cell phones actually live stream games, right? And um, they were so the the technology was so innovative and so uh, simple to use and it, so inexpensive. You know, it definitely fit what we were trying to do and who we were. Uh, we went to be mobile to actually see if we could sponsor the phones and the data and everything for this. And they were they definitely jumped on board and said, Yeah, definitely, let's do it. And uh, so one the game, the games were uh, televised, uh, were live streamed on the internet. And one of the the other things that we did was we do we did a team of the week. So or team of the rug, a team of the the uh, the wrong. So that definitely had the players edgy and antsy about why it is not any team at the wrong. And as you know, any publicity, bad publicity is good publicity, you know. Uh, so people were asking, you know, robbery, saying things like robbery and they should be in the team at the week and then score two goals and things like this. And we, we actually had the coaches as, as well fighting the, the final why the player not on the team at the week. And, you know, all of that was lovely to see uh, the, the, the rivalry back in the football and people and as you mentioned, Guaya, they were hella one of our uh, that 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 fan fan base was one of our most uh, you know engaging fan base. They definitely wanted to see their people and know their people uh, on 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 the social media. Um, did like top five goals, and you know all these different things were were not really seen in the football landscape for quite some time, and people were uh, you know. Back then, people would say, "No, they can't. They know when a super league fixture is, and where it went and play, and all." That's something we wanted to change, and we you know we had our fixtures set. We had every all any information that you wanted. We had a, a website with current information, all these different things. We had Umbro uh, coming on uh, in the early uh, to sponsor like the balls and uniforms and things like that. So. All these things uh, came together and created, again, what I would say was arguably the best Super League season ever. Okay. And to top it off, we had an awards at the end. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and how long was it, was your tenure with the, um, 
Super that that lasted one season. I definitely mm-hmm. wanted to, to finish the season and again go back out to Europe to try again to see if I could uh nail something out there. Okay, okay. So just talk to us now from your transition from the Super League to the TTFA and how that came yeah. out. So that was one of the being the general secretary of the Super League. Uh it went uh when I was first announced. Um it wasn't it was something that you know my friends on Facebook and you know supporters definitely uh they they milked that like they shared it all over social media. It was mm-hmm. something that I didn't expect. It was something that the the Super League, uh the hierarchy in the Super League didn't expect either. Because when they announced me as a general secretary, it went like over 50,000 reach, uh, over 100 and something shares and things like that. And it was something I didn't expect. But again, coming out from the FIFA master, a lot of people started to know about me, actually followed my journey in the whole sport, uh, the whole sports industry, and they still do. So definitely thankful for, for, for my supporters in, uh, in that space. And um and yeah, so people started to follow the Super League. And again, not me saying it was the best, but we realized it was well run. Uh, the administration was good. Everything was up to, to mark. Um, the TTFA president at the time, John Williams, you know, he was actually keeping check as to what was happening. He actually gave us an office in the Atobolan Stadium to call our home. And things like that. And, you know, we developed a relationship and things like that. Um, so I went back out to Europe. Um, and in my search for finding a job, came up came up uh, blank again. But I was still trying. And he, he messaged me. Uh, he wanted me to come back home so that he could uh, start his club licensing system in Trinidad and Tobago. And actually would want me to be the manager of the club licensing uh the club licensing um, system. I was like, okay, cool, no problem. Uh, I told him, give me a couple of weeks. Let me see if I could try again. Did it. Nothing came up about it. So I came back home, um, met with him, and that being the club manager was something um, that I was looking forward to. Uh, club licensing manager, sorry. Uh, so, you know, I was doing all my research on club licensing and how it would affect and how we could be a national club licensing structure. And all of that throughout, uh, went out the window because he actually had me as his somewhat personal assistant in terms of ensuring that, you know, the whatever was happening at the TTFA, they had a general secretary, but there were things that he wanted to, to, to get done that I would help in, in terms of doing presentations for him, putting together, uh, putting together, again, documents for him to share with the membership. And, you know, the entire back and all that was happening with the TTF, with John Williams and Keith Floy and all of those things. So I was doing a lot of research and trying to help him in that aspect, trying to help him in that aspect. Um, and, um, and, yeah, and... His the relationship between him and the then general secretary started to deteriorate, and uh, he ended up uh, parting with the general secretary. And the offer was given to me uh, if I wanted to be general secretary. And uh, hell yeah, <laughs> why not? A lot of people, obviously, I get this now, I don't get it as much, but I was 28 at the time, uh, yeah, 27 or 28 at the time. 
and a lot of people was like, hey, he's too young. He's inexperienced. He's this and he's that. And I get it all the time. Um, and, you know, for me, it was definitely, <laughs> again, I would like to tell you guys my plan, obviously, when I hit 40 or 45 or something, you know, I would say I'll be a general secretary of the TTFA and possibly lecturing at the side and probably having my own business by the time I'm 40 or something like that. At age 28, I was general secretary of TTFA and lecturing at the University of the West Indies already. You know, so this was my plans for later on, but everything just came up and uh, and the and everyone, you know, to be in the youngest in the room, even in my lectures as well, was something I got accustomed to. But Again, people were happy to 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 hear about my knowledge, uh, my experiences. Sorry, I was able to still lecture in uh, part in my knowledge, and uh, people were happy with that. So, became general secretary of TTFA. I I noticed you mentioned that a lot of people say you, know, you were too young. Um, that you had a number of people supporting you, have fan base. That's true. Well, you know, at least us who know you on a personal level, we happy mm-hmm. to see you rise true football from, as I said, from the Masters to the Super League to the TTFA. But there was a lot of people who were not so happy, a lot of people who say you were power hungry, you're rushed into the role, um, you're in bed with somebody like John Williams who doing all kind of thing. There was a t- uh, general secretary at the time and you were clearly um, operating as his personal general secretary, which is at Games the Laws at the TTFA. How do you respond to the, all this criticism? Yes, I know at the same time, yeah, everyone that is somebody has to have a level of thick skinness. Definitely. But is, is, does this kind of commentary, this this kind of feedback affect you in any way? A number of people say, nah, where Kamara come from, um, from being successful under Raymond Timkey, basically him and John Williams buried local football to the point where we are at 100 and something. How do you feel about hearing those kind of comments and name and things? Yeah, name? well, for me, once you stay true to yourself and know who you are uh, and know who and what you represent, all those things wouldn't affect affect you. Uh, from the start, obviously, it did to the point where I actually got that tracks before I became general secretary. People saw my, uh, my relationship with John Williams and actually got that threat uh, from my Facebook saying to stay away from John Williams or stay away from that entire thing. You know, we know who you are and you'll see around for carnival and these kind of things. And, wow. you know, that definitely it hit me rock bottom. Like, I actually went to bed, to bed in tears, you know, just knowing that this is what I dedicated my entire life to, my entire success and my journey was, you know, to, 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 to be in this position, you know, um, all the hard work that I did from uh, from secondary days going straight up into university. So reset this position, and people would say things like this or try to disturb me. But, you know, um, I had my family there to support me, uh, to support me all the way. They actually, I mean, they treacherous to my family as well. You know, tell your brother, don't do this, or, you know, we know who your son is and these things. And, you know, it was just at a point where uh, school work, it's just like, just sitting like, hey, God wouldn't put me through this far or carry me through all these different things to just come and quit. Now, these are 
things, people, you know, whatever. You know, so I just took it, thick skin, as you said. Definitely had to learn that the hard way because every day you would wake up and wonder when it ain't going to appear in the in the uh, in the papers again. And uh, people again saying the power hungry and all these and all these these different things. But I wouldn't be where I am today if I wasn't uh, suitable for the job or appropriate to the job. You know, at the CFU level, listen, I just if you guys follow the the timeline, it's not more than two or three years experience I had before I came in here, but is of what I could deliver and things that I could do. And again, the professionalism and the network that I grew, people understood where my passion was. People understood how intelligent I was to actually get things done. You know, so it, again, if I wasn't, if if you want to take away what they're saying from Trinidad, we reach at the CONCACAF and the, the Caribbean and CONCACAF level, what, what would you say then, you know? So definitely you, you wouldn't hear whoever could say in these things. Because I heard it as well, you know, and it was like power hungry and ambitious. How could you be too ambitious, you know? <laughs> like in this, especially in sports, you know, you got to take opportunities. Before people knew uh, that, again, the relationship between the president and the general secretary at the time, I had no input in that. That was between the, general, the president and the general secretary. And it's the president's prerogative if he wants a new general secretary or not. That's between both of them. So I can't be blamed for what the general secretary did or didn't do. You know, if the president wanted someone new or someone in uh, a different uh, a different uh, person as the general secretary, then that's his that's his call. You know, so people knew I was gonna be getting the offer, and. Uh, and a lot of people said, do not take that. Football is going down to the, to the ground. Do not take that. But I understood what John Williams' vision was. You understand? A lot of people do understand what his vision was. How he executed it, that's a story for another, another day. We all know the problems he had with communicating. He could tell you that. I could tell you that freely. You know, um, and especially in the football, in, in especially in football, I don't know why, especially in local football, it's all about this ego thing. And obviously, me young, I have no, I don't want any parts in that. This I'm a professional sports, sports business professional. You know, I I don't want any part in the politics or whatever. I was hired to do a job, um, wanted to do a particular job. That is all I'm concerned about. So I was definitely not getting mixed up and tied up in the politics, but. I can tell you that sitting on NTTF board meetings was something that I detest, you know, because these people, when you, when you, if you had a chance to sit down in NTTF board meetings and listen to the conversations they would, they would be having, you would understand why the TTF was, was sunk to the ground. And you cannot blame John Williams alone as president. You know, it's an entire board doing things, right? And when you listen to what these people were debating, and before the meeting even started, it was a whole sort of personal things people had to get out of the way. And it was it was an environment. Mm -hmm. I definitely got into an environment where they would set you up the field. And it's all the elements of the board and whoever makes up the board. 
is an environment where you were set up to fail, you know? So I hear that. I hear that. I hear the set up to fail, and I believe that's part of just unfortunately I believe it's part of gender culture because you always ha- always have all favorite for the position. So my favorite for the position is David Scarlett. Camera take <laughs> the position. That's the wrong David for me. Uh, I am yeah, setting up camera yeah, feel from yeah, David. Yeah. I want to come into position because I stand to gain from David Scarlett being in the position. So it's always about me standing to gain by having my person but, in and position. It's much but um, a lot of criticism. Lot yeah, and a lot of criticism we would hear on the streets, on the different mm-hmm. forums, the newspapers would be that um, John Williams doesn't communicate. He does what he wants. He has camaraderie and all kind of thing. He has his own board. He bypasses the board. Mm-hmm. The um, contracts with the whole of whole the um, home football. Half home mm-hmm. football. Yeah. All these kind of things. Um. That's just out in the open. It wasn't being addressed by the president. He wasn't seeing anything from you. So, I mean, just having all that level of misinformation there, how were you able to, I mean, sleep at night? How were you able to see all of that information out there, seeing your name there, and not being able to defend yourself based on different things? How does that, how did that affect you at any point? How did you feel about that? It got to a point where, again, I wasn't losing any sleep over these things, mind you, because I know what we were doing. Uh, I mean, they, they drag John, John Williams' name down to the ground. They, they drag it in the road, in the mud, in the puddle, in all the big pothole was leave. They put the name and wash it in that. And up to this day, they put a whole, they had a whole uh, a whole segment, I think it was Mark Busson, investigative story on money's uh, cipher in Panama and all these hardware, all kind of nonsense. You see anybody here look up now? You see anything come out of that? Up to this day, not one police officer called John Williams to investigate. Well, Up to this day, not one time, police officer. And, I mean, just, I looked at the Mark Bassan's um, yeah. highlight. It did seem very fishy. And nobody deals ahead that John Williams was doing the entire so, home of football. It seemed so, very not about yeah, so, I woke up the next morning with Paul from FIFA asking what is happening, what nonsense is that? Because for you to, to take one cent from FIFA in these times, you see a lot of the, the people from back then who, you know, against the John Williams or whatever and who was fighting him, they were from the FIFA. They know FIFA and stuff used to operate back then. They would call up the Godfather, they call up Big Boss and say, I want 100,000 for this, that or the other. And they would get it. Now, if Germany gets one cent, Turks and Caicos Island has to get one cent. If 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 uh, England gets one cent, St. Vincent and England has to get the same cent. There are no perks to get extra monies like that from FIFA. Like it's those days are done and 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 and, and over with. So when I'm filling out application forms for the home of football and trying to get uh, different equipment and stuff for the home of football, the amount of times I had to go over and fill out, fill out, fill out, I'd reach a point where invoices were, uh, were six months past and outdated that I had to go and, sorry, quotations were six months, uh, six months uh, expired. And I had to go back and ask them for another quotation because you had to go through so much checks and balances to get one cent. So when I hear them say things about, you know, uh, they send a million dollars in FIFA, uh, in Panama, and even players, national players who, you know, know me would come up and say, 
you know, John Williams thiefing all the money here and there. And I am like, it, it's all so funny to me now that, and even back then, because I know how things operate in Saturday, you have to be the biggest, the biggest crook to steal a dollar from people. Like, when last you heard about people stealing people's money and be, and and getting away with it. They, they used to say John Williams was FIFA president, boy, and all of these different things. When last you have heard the actual story of somebody stealing the FIFA's monies and getting away with it. His friendship with Infantino did bring a lot of questions to the board. And that has not, absolutely nothing to do with Infantino. Cannot come and say, eh, send a one mil to FIFA there. <laughs> Those days are done. So, sorry, send a one mil to TTFE. You know, get them, get get them an extra, an extra two hundred thousand. No, those days are done. But what's funny, you know, what's very funny is that while I was general secretary, you know, everybody, let's say everybody were allocated a five hundred thousand uh, at the start of the year with all member associations. And when it is TTFA got three hundred thousand, nobody would talk about that. They wouldn't talk about oh, we actually had to pay back a loan from since two thousand ten from some under seventeen World Cup that the then administration took from FIFA and now FIFA was taking back the monies. So all the boy they like to say, we, John Williams, was the boy for Infantino, why it is that he would take out half of the monies that TTF were entitled to uh, from a loan from back then. That doesn't sound too much like that is a boy, right? Fair enough. Fair enough. Understand? I think part of the dislike or the disdain that the John Williams administration was held in is that we had a successful coach, we had a successful team ranked in the top, can't remember, let's say 50 mm-hmm. World Cup, I think quarterfinals, I think back to back. Stephen Hart, World Cup qualifiers, you remove Stephen Hart, you replace him with Dennis Lawrence, and that's where everything went was- to the wire. And even with the abysmal performances the i personally went to the anguilla game in the atobolian stadium it was i mean that was just a four-on game to kind of just build the hopes of the country but i mean the dennis Lawrence under the john williams administration crashed local football and i mean nobody was held accountable what or the i mean that's the next reason so uh, right. other than the backroom issues is the only issues mm-hmm. people having a problem with correct and i would definitely um I mean, John John Williams has his his reasons why he fired Stephen Hart. Um, I wasn't around at the time um, when he came in in the last year, um, so I met I met a lot of the things. So there's not too much I could have done to change things and hiring coaches and all this because I think he had Saint Field first, and he lasts about three games or something like that. Yes, so yes. that entire that entire mm, thing, local tournament, um, yeah, that local tournament, right? right. Um, so a lot of a lot of the blame will be cast all over John Williams, Dennis Lawrence, the players, all blames was being uh, put all over. Um, we could only say that what would or should have happened if Steven had did stay. Um, I mean, he I think they 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 either got rid of him after I think two or three back to back losses in the hex or something like that. In the hex, so I, yeah. right? So I'm not the the, the best technical expert or technical mind. So I, I tend to refrain from commenting on those things. Um, but it's clear to see that, you know, that we, our ranking went back, uh, ranking did tremendously. 
Um, but then it was interesting to hear that what the, the FIFA president once told me, you know, and he said it, he said it on, on camera already that, you know, there's only one World Cup and only one team could win the World Cup, you know. So what happens when Germany doesn't win the World Cup, right? What happens when England, does, well, since England doesn't win the World Cup, you know, do they say that, you know, that is it, um, the president to blame or whatever? Listen, I'm not defending anyone. I know that we could, our performances on the field was terrible. You know, um, we could have done a lot, a lot better. Um, so I'm, I'm honestly don't want to say it's because of this or it's because of that, but I could tell you that being from the inside and seeing, seeing all the things that are happening in the background, I think that it, it actually took a while. I, if, if Stephen Hart was holding up the, the fort, he was holding up the fort. He's a very strong man because the way how things were inside that organization is a complete mess. Like things that was happening on the field and things that continue to happen, as you can see with the normalization committee, it doesn't surprise me. So, and, and as you would know in football, if things go, if things are not good, in the administration of the field, then obviously it will mimic what happens on the field. So what was happening on the field wasn't surprising to me. Um, we all know John Williams uh, was solely heavily focused on this home for home of football. Um, uh, in the last TTFA gem, they said it was a great idea. No one can dispute it was the a great idea to actually have TTFA owning a home of football. How it was executed, how it was communicated, well. Again, we could all agree that it could have definitely uh, been done better. Even the Nisias as well, they would say that um, that you know the home of football is like it's a good idea. Make, I mean, we actually have a home for football uh, where players could stay. If you know the expenses of the TTF, it's it's a it's a, a heavy percentage on um, on accommodations and you know, getting fields rented and all these different things and actually owning something for the TTFA was something that you know, John Williams always wanted to see happen, that the TTFA actually owned something. He was supposed to own whatever uh, excellence, uh, excellent center back then and we didn't own it. So that actually have made the TTFA owner as it was something that he really wanted to do. Again, definitely could have done a better job of doing it. He could have definitely done with a better team behind it, uh, behind him. Um, and again, the communication, how we communicated and ex executed the project, we could have done a hell of a better job on it. So what people were saying um, out there, you know, uh, trashing John the football going down to the dogs and all these different things. For me, it, it, it was something that was going to be inevitable because the scenes in the back there, it was nasty, it was ugly, it was something that, you know, TTF really needed normal. Normalization committee came a bit too late, in my opinion. Should have happened a long... Because, listen, listen, listen. When the whole FIFA, listen, eh? when the whole FIFA meltdown happened was in 2015. The players at the core of this, they were also head of CONCACAF. They were also head of CFU. And they were also well into finding the TTFA. All right? FIFA got their act together, straightened out everything. 
still straightening things out. CONCACAF got their act together, still straightened out and straightened out everything. CFU got their act together, started to straighten out things, still straighten out things. Who didn't get the act together? Um, you understand? To, to respond to that, your response to that, your response to that, my, my response to your assertion there would be, even if we go to the streets of Trinidad, right? There's the local guy in the area. Everybody knows what he does. They know he might be in the forest activities, but he does sponsor the local football. He does clean up the thing. He does help this one. He has helped that one. So he become, he become loved by the community. And mm -hmm. I know the different players you're talking about. And people could say, well, at least when the local players, the people was doing whatever they was doing, local football was on a high. We had Dwight York. We had Stone John. We had Karen Jones getting contracts outside. The national team was at the place. We but, uh, had We had the 2001 World Cup. We had the 2006 World Cup. No, well, we had the 2001 local mm -hmm. World Cup locally. We had three, I we think. Had yeah, we had, yeah, we had. I think we hosted about two or three World Cups, but at what cost? Yeah, we also had the 2006 World Cup qualification. So a lot of people that say he didn't take my money, whatever money he take, he take, and I see my there national team do good. And that, and that's it, and that's where you sit. You see it like that. How much that the TTF is in now? Yeah, well, I mean. Exactly. Yeah, so, so what is so what is happening one. now? Exactly. Yeah. So what is happening now is not something that happened under John Williams in four years. It's not something that happened under Timpy in four or I think four eight years or however long he was there. It's something yeah. from way back when. So don't be surprised. They had a high time. Two thousand and six, being secondary school and watching yeah. game and everybody happy, thing, thing, thing. But behind the scenes, it was a complete mess that was turning out. Like players, after they play the game, they, they started to see it when the players had to take the TTF to court to get the money to qualify for the World Cup. And that was just the start. So, again, if just so you say it there, you said it there, just so you said it there, at what cost? So don't be surprised as to what's happening now. Don't be. When I think qualifies for the World Cup, I think if my memory serves me right, when I did research, I think they get at least 10 million US just for qualifying. Eh? This is outside endorsements and sponsorships and all these different things. FIFA gives you 10, 10 million. Back then, well, you'll probably have to do research, but I think it was 10 million. You know what 10 million US could do the TTF now? Or what that could have done? If it was used correctly, so we was on the high. We enjoy with 2006. We enjoy. We enjoy. We draw with Sweden. We we cost uh Peter Crouch when he pull when he pull Sancho dreads all them different things. And yeah. after that, what do you guys expect? If you guys know what was happening, you expect how long we could have stayed up there for? So don't be surprised. Yeah, don't be surprised or, or uh, ask why things not happening now or why we so when we were on the high, how we think we get there? Where the money went, where the money gone. Hey, so Karyasa CFU. Oh yeah, well the switch from TPFA to CONCACAF now. And your involvement in CONCACAF, but I saw the other day it was part of 
was it the are you brand or are you bomb of the champions so it's cfu so cfu is actually a sub confederation within the concacaf yeah. region yeah about what you was a part of the other day that was right. Champions so, so right so because yes so they were revamped they actually revamped the entire club football ecosystem in the concacaf region i do agree with that by the way but me tell me why you would want you you you're concacaf right put yourself in concacaf shoes and you have the champions league happening right and obviously you want the best clubs you want the best teams you want the most professional teams and clubs in your league right given how football is now right what what the 50 50 split in terms or let's say uh 30 33% split in the three regions the central america caribbean and uh the mls well and canada as well taking in mind the level of professional football in these regions go on yes no, uh, with the major voting no, and they're talking about voting i'm talking about the level of professional club football while i am this is agree, yes well club i football with professional club football we talking about here i believe so what is the best what is the best or which league is the best caribbean pro league right now jamaica and second i would have to say trinidad okay. so you're calling trinidad okay so now you compare the tt pro league no i don't know hear me out hear me out. Have... out i was thinking like you have i don't know if concacaf have coefficients like uefa does mm-hmm. but let's just say the top three countries in concacaf ranked by coefficients the winners of that league plays in the champions league in addition to the caribbean cup finalists Mm-hmm. So there's five, mm-hmm. five, five teams in mm-hmm. and so, I think I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Well, right. So if you see the revamp, right, the Caribbean has its cup, Central America has its cup, and I think right. is the North American has its cup. Right. So from the Caribbean Cup, the winner of the Caribbean Cup goes straight into the round of sixteen of the Champions League. Yeah. And second and third place was the one round before. I think they call it the round of twenty-two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the in terms of how the new Concacaf Champions League is, it's not like a group stage where you know I think it was back then was actually one Caribbean team going to the group stage of the Champions League, and uh, and then there are five. Group to get me into the 
thing wrong, the city draw wrong, the 16 and then go on or whatever. Now we're actually playing this group stage and this group round in your own Caribbean Cup. And the top three places now go directly to the Champions League knockouts. You're not okay with that? Nah. <laughs> I still think that the Caribbean needs okay. more representation. Because for me, so let me say the winners from we, as where I sit in the CFU. Uh-huh. Where I sit in the CFU, I think we need to do a better job in terms of bringing the other leagues in the Caribbean up to scratch. I agree. Because no disrespect to the smaller nations, but I mean, Anguilla, you think about having the, the champion of Anguilla now go on to represent, uh, go on to the Champions League uh, quarterfinals. But that is why I said the well, top three teams. They have to and they can, but you're saying to give them more spots and no, more slots into it. So look, at the, Champions the more League, look at Champions League, right? England has England has four in some of the smaller leagues around in UEFA, they just have one. And they're not direct, but they have to go on to call. They have to play qualifying rounds. Just their one champion goes on to play qualifying rounds. Now, in the Caribbean, every single league champion where there's a professional league, mind you, there is not, there's not enough professional leagues. In the, we have 31 nations. And I think there's about, when we talk about professional leagues, it's just Trinidad, Jamaica, I think Suriname, and a couple others are trying to get their can get the professional, but we have a lot of amateur leagues. So, as I was saying, like, I'm definitely for more spots for the Caribbean. Like, hell yeah, I wish we could get definitely 50 50 in terms of an even split with all the uh, regions. But I have to be real and honest with myself and put myself in concrete shoes and understand where, 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 we, where we fit. You don't want to dilute the competition. Uh, by just giving everybody equal spots. You want, you want top-tier competition, which is why England has four spots. And a uh, team in Latvia, in the Latvia League, probably might not even have a spot in the Champions League, by, but probably uh, go on to the Europa League, you know? So... But that, um, that is why I bring up the point about coefficients. They have the top three countries in Trinidad, whether it's Jamaica, Trinidad, Barbados, whoever it is, Curacao, whoever it is. And they have the winner from those domestic leagues going into the Champions. And plus you have the Caribbean Cup, the three from Caribbean Cup. So that's six. Six not okay, hard. But, six not hard to play. Okay, but coefficient, dealing with, when you talk about coefficient, you can't just look at it like just the Caribbean region. UEFA doesn't look at their coefficient as just the Western Europe or whatever. They look at the entire European uh, market. So when you talk about the when you talk about our leagues, you're not ranking it just in terms of the top in the Caribbean. You have to rank it in terms of the El Salvador League, the league in Honduras, the league in Canada, the league in all the in the entire CONCACAF region. You know? Fair. Yeah, yeah. so you can't just you can't look at things in just a silo and say, yeah, okay, we okay. should have the best, uh, because we should have our best three teams. No, because if 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 there weren't uh, uh um 
if there wasn't if there was just one professional league in the Caribbean, let's say Jamaica, and they're the only running, I'm not even sure about the Haitian league or whatever. But if it is that just the um the Jamaica league was running, and it have Trinidad who haven't had a league in in couple in a couple years. Uh, I mean our clubs weren't even uh didn't even pass the club licensing uh structure to get into regional competition. But you want to put them to run with uh with um USA and those big dogs. You understand? Is the issue and it's the same thing is some I was having a conversation with someone about you know why it is um something we we're talking about and oh why it is the top five in conquer cap or wherever goes straight to the fan around a qualification and all these different things and again it was something from an administ- administrative standpoint that people wouldn't see right look at what happened in the gold cup where cuba didn't even show up and saint vincent had 12 players where none were a keeper so they had to make a makeshift keeper in the starting of the gold cup now imagine the US team or the Mexican team having to play St. Vincent or St. Vincent having to go to the US to play in a World Cup qualifier where millions of dollars are spent on TV rights and all these different things and the team don't show up. You know who had to pay for that? I think that's different, man. That's different. No, I'm, I'm saying different, man. And I find how you run, you can't, you can't put Trinidad, Tobago, Trinidad, Tobago, Jamaica, the bigger houses in the Caribbean with St. Vincent and things. I mean, no, yeah. no, I'm just, no, I'm just saying in terms of the the gap and the and the level. Okay, so if you see that difference, let's look at the top MLS teams. Then you understand mm-hmm. and come into play against a a a, a, a super league team. Think, think, think about that. And when I say Super League, now compare it to what it would be in the other islands. You understand? Where we do have, where, where you know, we probably get in trouble for transport. We do show up one time. It's not just about the playing and the football on the pitch, you know. It's the entire W Connections mantra was professionalism. It's not just, uh, is I think it's, it's more than an attitude, you know, it's a lifestyle. You understand? So you're talking about these, and that is why even in the Champions, you could see, you ain't going to see Manu or Chelsea going down in the dregs to play with, uh, let me see, um, Al- Albania, Champ- San- Albania San Marino champion. Also. Or San Marino champion. No, but that is why I said the champions of the top three clubs in the Caribbean. The top three countries in the Caribbean. And it again, you're looking at it. Well, you're looking at it from a silo. You're looking at it from a silo because look, we we by rights, if you, you talk, you spoke about voting power, we have 31 votes. So does that mean that we should have the majority? No, I don't know. I mean, 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 I Okay, why? And I, because I, I honestly believe. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, asking for a friend. I don't want to put my honest thoughts <laughs> on it. I have a friend that strongly believes all of this come to pass because America did not make the World Cup. So now you're seeding America, Mexico, Costa Rica, and the bigger hitters in the Caribbean directly into the hex. Well, before they had to. Where's the octagon? Where's the octagon now? 
Okay, so let's go back to the old thing, right? The old stage yeah. where St. Vincent plays Mexico in the mm-hmm. in the preliminary rounds, plays mm-hmm. one game, loses, and the next time they qualify for they could qualify for a World Cup or compete to qualify for a World Cup is in the next four years. Right. You you, you find that's okay for St. Vincent. <laughs> So, yes, but, but still, but you still doesn't never used to play Mexico. But Mexico yes. never used to be solo down. But even, oh, okay. if, yeah. even if, the, even if still the prelim rounds, the prelim rounds used to be at the very first. The, so the very first stage was, I think, where they have the monstrous and, and teams like that. Yes. And then right, after and they that, play Saint Vincent, and then and they then, go into the group stage four. No, and then I just sometimes used to be three. Then after that, you would have the Mexico or whatever, and they would probably play uh, two or three games. Not two or three games, two, one or two games. And you think that would be fair to teams like Monstrat and these lower teams to play one game and the whole World Cup qualifying campaign done and that's the next four years. You okay yes, with that? At, the, at, the, at that point. It's all you're now fighting the Caribbean and this is what you're saying here. <laughs> as opposed yes, to so this structure. It started off as, from my knowledge, it started off as the small teams will play each other, and then you go into a group. Once you will see Mexico, once you see USA, you see Costa Rica, but it never is Mexico. Never is a plenty plenary. Mexico used to get seeded. It's a plenary round two, round two, yeah. And, and round two, two against round, round two against round wrong two against who? Round two used to be Trinidad. Sometimes in a group, Mexico in a group. Trinidad used to get seeded too. Yeah, true. Nah, not all. Yes, Trinidad used to be seeded. Yes, used to be a second seed. No, Scarlett, listen to me. You see, when he qualified for the World Cup in 2006, we was in the Mexico group and we finished second in the group behind Mexico. And it right. was for the Caribbean teams, Guyana and somebody right. else. And, and they go on to the Hex. Yeah. But right. match, I right, think so, that was here at that point in time. Yeah, it paid for Trinidad, right? You okay with that? You <laughs> okay, no, with, okay. But, yeah, but, but for Montreal playing one game as a yeah, chance yeah. to qualify for the World Cup, you yeah. okay with that? As opposed to now, where they have three games. Yeah. As example, but what about the USA and Mexico and all of them who just going straight to the hex? It's not a hex. It's not. It's an octagonal. It's octagonal. Right. And again, while while so how UEFA does theirs, right? Obviously, UEFA has a million dollars every every day. UEFA making a million dollars, so they could do that. But they see their top their top teams. Their top teams are seeded. So England plays, England will never meet up uh, uh, France or Germany in a World Cup qualifying. They had to play San Marino and Kazakhstan and all of these teams. So how would you how would you fight not for Kazakhstan and Albania and these teams having to having to play the mighty England and only one only one of these teams making it out of the group? <laughs> I, I wait for you to answer. But they have to. You, you want to play in a World Cup, so you have to find a way. Draw with England, woman, away, and beat them other <laughs> Okay. But England hitting these other teams, five and six, and you playing these other teams, and you can't be hitting them. That sometimes you lose them against these teams. It is true. But Latvia did it, though. Latvia went to the Euros. I remember that. I, Euros, I, I, I can't remember. I but I Euros. But we're looking at. So. So. Again, it could never be fair to anybody. No, I, I agree. Fair. I agree with the, the World Cup qualifying system. And, and you guys the, the and you guys looking at it purely from a footballing summer, which I which I hundred percent agree. 
everything should be left on the field. But if I look into market something, I want to ensure that when my TV rights had to sell, is the heavy hitters in the end how to sell things. You understand? So that is why um that is why USA and Mexico always together the final and goes up. Hey, that's all <laughs> that that's I mean they seed one on that end and one on the end on the next end. But when you I went to the Coca Cola for the first time and I saw the atmosphere in that stadium, if I become general uh Conquer president in the next couple of years or whatever. I'm making sure you are on one end of the bracket and Mexico on the next end of the bracket. Yeah, let's yeah, let's Somehow the other USA and Mexico never meet in a city. They can't, eh? Can, eh? Based on how, if they don't top the group, yeah, well, they definitely but could. They will always top the group. Come on. Well, and they, and you see, so it's not. Totally, it all plays out on the field. So if Mexico doesn't top their group, they'll meet in a semi-final. So you up so now you're upset because they're always in the final. Well then tell them to lose one of the games. <laughs> if they're doing it, if they're playing the football and they're and they're leaving there and they're leaving the talking to do on the field. You understand? Qatar could have come and blaze up USA and we'd have a whole next is Mexico US uh Qatar final. That Put Mexico and US in the same group, that we want. <laughs> well, why why would you do that? It's the same it's the same concept as so why you wouldn't put England, France, Germany in the same qualifying group. Call them in the same group. No, call them out. Trinidad you understand? Look, look, Canada, Canada is wasn't in the top in the heavy hitters and Canada have to fight the way. And now Canada bossing up in the in the group stages. Canada didn't complain. Canada had to find itself up there. Panama, big countries like Panama. You understand? Now, you know, we vex because Trinidad and make it, but I know it's not fault. I know see a few faults. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate the having road, one. The road was clear. Perspective yeah. Because basically, from a fan perspective, I just find this thing was yeah. always for Mexico to play US. But to understand from your point of view helps me, and I think it'll help a lot of listeners understand as to why the thing is listen, done the way it's done. Listen, the road to the octagon for Trinidad and Tobago could not have been easier. Sure. What? Sure. Sure. How you how you sure. was gonna make that? How could it have ever been easier? Sure. You think we so, Dutch Pan- yeah, we yeah. Panama, we Dutch Curacao, we Dutch who else we Dutch? Um I forget we Dutch Canada. Uh, we Dutch Haiti. But we had... could not have been easier for we should have been ten kids. Please, Please all bring the <laughs> and, and out and out of the top teams who topped the group and all the groups, we had El Salvador. We didn't have Panama. We didn't have Haiti. We didn't have Curacao. We didn't have Canada. We yeah. had the weakest out of all of them, El Salvador. Yeah. How much easier you wanted that, uh, Jomo? <laughs> How much easier you wanted that, boy? <laughs> so again, they could never please anybody. Trinidad had the easiest entry to the octagon, and but, now, and now, put yourself now. Trinidad playing in the in, in the final round in the arc. Are we ramping with them teams, boss? But the, the, the thing again. <laughs> oh, how are we ramping with them teams? How? So we just want Trinidad to be in the, the arc. That's what you want. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Anything that happened, you know? I wanted that. 
I, I, I 100% agree. 100% agree with you. We could have definitely. I'm pretty sure we could have got some scouts in the October. No doubt yes. about it. You know, but obviously we, obviously we were not one of the highly favored teams. But the route to the Octagon could not have been easier for Trinidad and Tobago. And all I have to say is that as much as we complain in the Caribbean because we want more spots, we want this, we want we want equality. I think it's more about equity. And well, we never see say that. equality. Eh? <laughs> And no, but well, all you say because we had the most is Joe Moose say them had the most votes, you know. The Korean have 31 votes, so by that I would take that he wanted 31 spots in the championship. No, 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 I'm saying that. You understand? But again, from a marketing perspective, from an administrator's perspective, from the whole concept of football, you would want a proper product on the field. You understand? So you don't want I'm bringing it back to CONCACAF champions. We, we have CONCACAF league as well, right? And I don't, I'm not 100% sure what's happening with that. Um, okay. Because of the new ecosystem, I think they, I think they spoke about everything in that. So I'm not sure if it actually have a CONCACAF league. But what I'm really excited about is actually a real CFU cup. Okay. You understand where now the CFU could more or less be part and parcel of the administration and the whole concept of the CFU Cup and 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 milking the lot out of having a Caribbean champion and this Caribbean champion now going straight to the round of 16 where you just have to play a court. If you be the round of 16, it's quarter final, semi finals, and finals, you know, <laughs> you understand home and away. How much sweeter you would want, and as Jomo said, football is on a day. When Derby Connection was playing the Champions League in the earliest, it was one of the best times of football in, in Trinidad and Tobago. Because I would go to the stadium and watch Derby Connection ramp against the uh the this cruisers who are Club America and these things yeah, and, very galaxy and, team organizing. Yeah, and, and we hold them at home, Jomo. I remember ramping with these big dogs at home. I remember and yeah, and it's just because we had six games to play in this group stage mm. where obviously you would have died out and things, you know, yeah. momentum would have died. Now we just have a home and our way to play and then our next home and our way to play. And then like, yeah. It, you understand? It couldn't be, the, 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 the probability couldn't be more in favor of us in the Caribbean. So and then um, I think um, the public was in the Champions League too. So so but I just distinctly remember connection and I think was the Brazilian I forget his name scoring a goal in Manu Ranjan. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I bro. Know. I know yes, yeah, and scoring a goal in Manu Ranjan. I know what you're talking about. Listen, that was the best time, sir. But okay. again, because it was a whole group stage and they're taking the top two and we have to fly here, then everywhere, you know, eventually mm-hmm. it will take a toll on the players, but now it's just a home and away and boom, we in the quarterfinals. Come on. How much sweeter you want it, Jomo? <laughs> this Oscar, one thing I, I tell you about this man here. You could see he, do, he has some marketing experience. Eh? Everything oh, we yeah. tell him, he's spinning, he's spinning it to, to tell me how much sweeter we want it, how much easier no, we want it. It's it not just spinning, but showing you. Because I, I sat where you guys were from a fan's perspective, you know, and seeing things from one end, from one and in, in one perspective. 
But I see, I know exactly where you guys are talking about. But I also see and understand from CONCACAFs and CFU on the administrative side. So, again, I would love more Caribbean teams in it. Mm-hmm. But when I put on when I put on the other hat now, and I understand in terms of keeping the quality of the Champions League at a certain level, because now is the now the Scotiabank Champions League, right? Mm-hmm. These big guns you're talking about here. You want your big guns and the big dogs competing. So obviously, you know, is now up now the challenge is now for us here, the Caribbean and the CFU to now rise to that level. So the next time we're talking about coefficient, it was like, hey, listen, in the top in the last three seasons of the new Champions League, our top three places who went on to the Champions League knockout stages, we made it straight to the quarterfinals. So it's time now we talk and then seeing how good the, the Caribbean leagues are, uh, now we could ramp up probably four or five spots. You understand? So we have work to do. We we have a challenge now to get us to that level up there to the professional level because we, you know what is real professional football and you know what we have in the Caribbean that we call professional football. I think Highland said it as well. Um, even the, the club owners, Brent Sancho and these people, uh, players, ex-players who play professional football, they know the leaps and bounds behind we are for real professional football, you understand? So we have a challenge to get to get to that level and mm-hmm. it's up to us, it's up to the different clubs, the leagues to show us and to show CONCACAF why we should be getting more spots in Champions League. Mm-hmm. Well, um, well, I mean, some better. Well, you know the Nations League was created to give smaller countries more playing time. Play. Correct. So, with the Revamp Champions League now, does it have a, like a second tier to give smaller clubs of smaller countries more playing time? To compete things with it, I, I think one of the things with the new Revamp, um, again, not to go much in-depth because a lot of the things are still being uh, ironed out. But the Caribbean, the Caribbean Cup it would definitely be expanded. Okay. You know, so now the Caribbean teams get to compete at their level now, uh, in in uh, more more frequently. So it'll have a bigger Caribbean Cup, and more emphasis would be on this Caribbean Cup. You know. So again, as much as we're fighting for the Caribbean team, we need. Montreal and these things to step up their professional leagues. You understand? It is a stretch. We understand the resources. We understand the difficulties. It's not going to happen overnight. It's probably not going to happen in the next three to four years, right? But it's something that we could strive for. It's something that is a is now a, a real goal and objective, a clear pathway as to how if David Scarlett decides he's going to create David Scarlett FC tomorrow, he could now see himself as and see his club in the next 10 years or whatever becoming Caribbean champions and work his way to becoming Caribbean champions. But again, we need to professionalize our clubs and our leagues here in the Caribbean before we could before we could start complaining about, about different things. So we keep talking about Caribbean Cup the past 20 minutes or so. But what is the criteria to qualify for this? Well, again, again, the kings, the 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 kings and stuff hasn't been ironed out as yet. But uh, but obviously, the top 
you're from your league, you would obviously have the champions or first and second place go on to, to qualify for the uh, Caribbean Cup. So now the pressure is now on, on federations, na- uh, national federations and associations to actually get their leagues running because that's the only way you would qualify to the Caribbean Cup is if your domestic leagues are up and running. So you mentioned the first and second in every league. Does it have like a qualification? Flag? No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No, I'm just saying. I'm just oh, it, thinking it out loud. Yeah, I'm okay. not, not concrete yet, but okay. it's, it's possible, okay. obviously, the first place, but I'm not sure how much place is then. So how to qualify, I'm not 100% sure, but, you know, that's how it normally it normally is. Okay. Um. Well, Scarlett, you see claim the fame last time we had Marshall so then you want and say that when oh, he and Marshall oh, used to run. Oh, Scarlett, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put out there, I had to put out there, I claim the fame. My claim the fame is McKenzie and I play in the engineering league and we won. <laughs> Nobody scored on us. It's true. Actually, I actually forgot about that, but that is quite true. I put just to prove it. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Um. So just like just to give us a kind of understanding in your room. And I was good at football back then, and Jomo. Yeah, he was. He was actually. He was actually good. I mean, in terms of leading the line for Milner, in terms of being a a center forward. I mean, he's a carry Milner. I mean, goalie Milner, right? They're gonna get. He's a carry Milner. He take Milan carry them on the back. Milner, no good. Is broad shoulders? <laughs> 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 um, so like even with the CFU and your reach, um, I know you mentioned that you went to the Gold Cup final. Um, what's your reach at the CFU? Because I mean, plenty of people they see at the CFU, they hear CONCACAF, they don't know the difference. I know CFU is the Caribbean Football Union, but like what's your reach in terms of CFU? Um, what can you do and what's your powers in CONCACAF itself? Well, Definitely CONCACAF and CFU, two distinct organizations, uh, but we are one family, one football family. Um, the CFU as the Caribbean Football Organization, uh, Union, sorry, I know I go organization, Caribbean Football Union, um, we are the umbrella body for 31 member associations uh, representing the Caribbean. So if you know the entire football hierarchy, there's FIFA, global, there's CONCACAF, who does... Caribbean, North and Central, less comfortable doing in the South, Calf, Africa, uh, Asia, Oceania, and UEFA in Europe. Um, and then within each of the ma- of the six confederations, there are sub-confederations. And they, that, they, that is where CFU comes in. And even within CFU, there are some countries or member associations that come together, although they're not highly structured but they come together and do their own sub sub regional uh tournaments or whatever whether you call it the Winwood cup or leeward islands uh cup or things like that so we i like to think of so since the whole fifa meltdown and stuff cfu has done a tremendous job in getting back on track uh come did the same fifa did the same but unfortunately as i told you guys before TTF didn't clean up their books since, you know. Um, and even you're smiling, but even to go back to that, um, FIFA, CONCACAF, and CFU revamped their statutes and constitution. TTF did not. So, again, these things, doesn't, what's happening doesn't surprise me at all. It does not, you know. 
Um, so yeah, so we I like to think of CF, you know, where FIFA FIFA does one stamp for everyone. All right. So there's no there's no benefit for Germany being Germany or Montreal being Montreal. Everything is done on a, on a equal terms, right? Um, then there's CONCACAF that comes to see now about the, the nations and the member associations within their regions to try and help out. Now, they, they, they could more target Montreal and, and, um, and Guel and these small islands, you know, actually target them and see how they could help them. But there's not there's so much CONCACAF can do as well. Again, they they um they again uh equal. So if it is they give TTFA hundred and fifty uh thousand from their one CONCACAF program, they have to, they have to do the same for uh Montreal, whatever of affordabilities that they afford to the US or Mexico, the same has to be afforded to uh us here in the Caribbean. And then there's where we come in where we could now get more in depth as to what is happening in Bonaire, what is happening in uh, Anguilla and the small islands could to more provide projects and assistance that could that targets their specific needs because the needs of, of Montreal are not the same needs of El Salvador or USA or Germany or England, you know. So the CFU comes in there where we could more target those needs and help develop those countries to reach to reach the next level to, to get better whether it's on the field or off the field right um we also have six we 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 have 31 countries of whom uh all 31 are CONCACAF members and CONCACAF has 40 41 in total but of our 31 countries six of them are not FIFA members so six of them actually do not benefit from the niceties FIFA would give the other islands. So we're talking about Martinique, we're talking about Bonaire, um, Martinique, Bonaire, French Guyana, and some other and some other countries. So six of them are, don't benefit from FIFA from FIFA monies at all. But they are but they are CONCACAF members, and we step in there so we can help their development as well. So our Goal really is is very much developmental and seeing how we can again develop football because they are the lowest ends of the scale in the Caribbean. Sadly, um, I think they did a report where it was ranking different associations that the majority. If you look at even the FIFA rankings, you would see the lowest uh, ranked teams. Majority of them are from the Caribbean, so we have to uh, see how best we could step up and fill. Fill, uh, fill like that to get them to the next the next level. Okay. Um, finally, probably for just the final point for the pod, um, in terms of just the atmosphere, if you could just describe the atmosphere, I mean, it would be difficult too, but just the atmosphere in the Gold Cup final, the USA, the Mexico, I mean, that would have been, even on TV, I was feeling it, I looked at the Gold Cup <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the atmosphere look amazing. I know it's a fierce rivalry between the two top dogs in CONCACAF. My personal favorite is Mexico. I, um, I just prefer Mexico. I think they're actually more naturally talented. So when Chenard lose to Mexico, I actually feel, don't feel bad because I feel that next somebody Mexican talent, you see, uh, they are amazing. I mean, America is not really that much. I mean, to me, I think they're just a wild oil machine. But I mean, that's just my personal view. But 
what was the game or the atmosphere and um, in your capacity as being in the CFU? Was that a surreal moment for you being probably in that such a big game in the Gold Cup? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's one of the, the perks of the of the job. Uh, definitely counting my blessings there. Um, it was actually being in the capacity as an official, having to go, you know, go through the whole VIP process and sitting with the with the, with the big dogs. It was definitely, you know, always having to check yourself because you can't be doing what you would normally do if you're a fan or whatever, you know, getting out there screaming and, you know, cheering on the team. You, you got to be, you got to put on the profession. You got to be professional, you know. Um, but it was a great food. experience for me. Sorry? Yeah, sip your wine and pull your leg on. <laughs> <laughs> because at, at any point, uh, being right behind the FIFA president, at any point the camera could span on you and, you know, definitely I want to be seen out of order, yes. right? But um, but it's something you, you, you it's really get used to um it was it was my first big game but in terms of the size of that stadium the stadium is something that because we had a we had a uh gala event the night before the uh the goes up at the stadium and we had a tour at the stadium and stuff and just thinking about the possibilities of some of these venues being in the Caribbean is just it's definitely a dream right some of the presidents sat in that stadium and actually saw their population, their entire country's population, three and four times. You understand? So it's an experience that that I would love any football fan to have. Uh, the Mexicans were hella. They, I mean, the unfortunate uh, circumstances that happened recently with them and the uh, and the homophobic chants and all these different things is it was it's sad. But they were they were very. Um, at least the Mexican fans that were next to me are friendly, obviously. I don't know if because I don't know Sultan Thai, you know, they're very respectful and things like that. But they definitely, uh, they, they got into the game. I would love to see Trinidadians and even um, Caribbean, Caribbean nationals around the, the region actually be passionate as how you would be a passionate to Liverpool or you would be passionate to Chelsea. You know, actually get into the game and by understanding the game, you know, we in the Trinidad, when we see a big a man beat somebody like, woohoo, and we talk about that beat sweat days and and weeks to to, to, to to come. And but when we see um when we see Salah, Salah, sorry not Salah, probably Henderson or Tiago do a big pass, or we see uh Mount or somebody for true ball. You know, and we clap and, you know, even ball going for a corner, we clap and we cheer them on and things like that. That That is the kind of passion I think that would do well for us here in the in the region. And again, it comes with a, the culture one, but our understanding of the game. So if we see Joven Jones going down the line or, or Levi beat somebody, but the guy come back and the ball goes for a corner. You know, those are things that we could motivate and clap. Yeah, that was a good, good try, but we got corner out of come out of it, which is good. You know, getting into the game like that is a is a dream I would have for for um for Sandy Caribbean. Well, again, I feel the majority of people in Trinidad are not really fans, it's just more like hype followers. I mean, because I mean, just even even around the World Cup times, I mean it was difficult to get a ticket to go on with the national team, and then you know, there'll be periods where 
you could walk to the booth on the game day and buy mm-hmm. tickets and the stadium empty. I mean, it's all always high. Sometimes you go, you go to the, you go to the pro league game. Sometimes it's thirty dollars for a double header. When it was LA Galaxy, tickets was one fifty, and when you walk inside, the place crazy. Sometimes you go on express game, and you see how intense the rivalry is. You see how fully fans is, and then you go to the same man I'm John for pro league double header, and it's you and family, friends, and friends I players. I mean, it's yeah, high. There's a topic. There's a topic for next uh, next session. Yeah, I mean, we could talk for hours about that, but it's all hype. I mean, but I just want to thank you for coming on. I mean, we even taking any time to come and have a conversation with us, even though it's your current portfolio. I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate your blessing us with your presence and your insight. I mean, I, I for one, learned a lot in terms of the marketing side of it, because for me, I always had my fan point of view. They just make it more hard for Trinidad, but I guess from the product and I understand as a point again, a point again as being a referee. So like players would say, well, ref, we're complaining about socks and me having on a black socks and the man having on a red socks and me having on a white socks. It's just a socks to play a game. But when you selling a brand and selling a product and people showing up to watch a game and you as a referee doing a game and a man have on black socks, he have on red socks, he come and he put blue tape, he pop and put green tape. I mean, the product is selling and you supposed to be in control. I mean, it has lent lawlessness and with lawlessness, his injury, and then is the bigger picture you have to look at. So I mean, that's one of the that's, and that's that's the that's the nonsense that, that that we we put up with here. And I mean, the day of the announcement, the day of the announcement of the revamped Champions League was the day that this sixty-year-old club owner stole the headlines. Yeah, you understand. And and where were he playing in a Concacaf Champions League? Think no, think no, 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 that, that how you see is laughing. No, you as the president of Concacaf, Jomo, you seeing this happen. You have big sponsors sponsoring your Champions League, and this come and happen. It's a big joke. You know, I never think about that. Yeah, people now see your league as a big joke. You ever see that in UEFA? You ever see Abramovich pawn his boots and say and lace up his boots and say, Yeah, I'm ready to play? And the team won, and then you see him handing out money after. It's a big <laughs> joke. So if we could, if I am CONCACAF, and, and sadly, sadly, it's a Caribbean team again, Suriname. Mm-hmm. You understand? I would try to have my league. You had to put up barriers and fences to prevent these things from reaching the, 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 the top ends. So this, this team was the best in Suriname. And Suriname is one of the top five or four best professional leagues in the region. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about having uh, spots directly to the Champions League for, for, the, for the champions of these leagues. Now imagine now this guy, 60 years old, goes on to play white, uh, Vancouver Whitecaps in a, in a wrong the 16 Champions League. What are you playing a game like that? Though? Well, why, why, so why would he play this one? Yeah, true. Uh, it's a small, a small. You're gonna bring any league into it's this. Not a small, exactly. So yeah. we have a lot of work to do before we can yeah. start complaining and yeah. saying that we were X Y Z to to take it. Look, just just as people were complaining about the sports for Champions League, that same day this nonsense come and happen. And when safe, uh, GS, we are having a chat on it, and I was saying, yeah, it's very embarrassing for the brand. 
you have and we look into call big sponsors for we uh for 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 we leagues. We were Scotia Banks, Champions League, and all these different things. And we and we league is a big a, a bigger uh, meme all over Twitter and Facebook. That's how you. That's how you. That, that's what you've been on sell to me. That's how. That's what you pay my brand, brother man. Nah, man. You really bring out a different perspective to it, boy. Yeah. You bring out a different perspective. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even think about that. And he and his son played it. And it's, it's, it's ridiculous. So if I have the chance to cut all these stupidness that's happening, and I have to be very aware of these things that could happen, some guys didn't even know that this could possibly happen. But the mere fact that they've had barriers and they could put things in in order to have the best of the best where real professionalism exists, you understand? Then this, then this, this, these things wouldn't be happening. So, understood, understood. You I understand mean, now? Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a whole new world. And I think it's something we might even have a, a follow-up for on me and Scarlett try to get more administrative people to understand like, on the other side, because like, I mean, you will never see Abramovich do that. So why did the club owner feel that? And that, that again shows the level of respect for the competition that you feel you can get away yeah. with playing yourself would, and your son. He would, do that new, he would ever do that in a UEFA Champions League. No, he won't. No, he <laughs> no. won't. He would no, never won't. do that. So why now? He would never at, do that in a match window either. Exactly. So why would you want to do it now at Kanko Kafi? Uh, yeah. Because it's a big joke to you, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Well, thanks again, Kenton, for coming on, man. That's my closing words. Yeah, man. Thanks, thanks again for coming on. As you say, going back to the, the um the Caribbean Cup and Champions League spots, I hope we see a Caribbean team playing in Club World Cups one of these years. You know? Let's <laughs> see. Let's see. But yeah, it man. Definitely would be. <laughs> thanks for coming on, man. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, anytime you guys want to have a chat, I'm, I'm open. Just let me know in advance and I can make myself available. But I enjoy talking about football, as you guys say, given a different perspective because I was a fan once. I see things and now I have to be very diplomatic in how I answer certain things. And understandably, I see things from also the administrative uh, side as well. So thanks for having me and keep doing the good work. Keep doing the good work and uh, best of luck. Yeah, thanks. We appreciate it. No problem. Hopefully, Trinidad um, in a World Cup or Nation League final, and then you have to be calm. You think it could be calm if Trinidad in the final? Oh, oh, well, no, why not? Well, well, sorry, why would I? And I would <laughs> forget the forget the, the shit and I put on a TTF and a Blazers. I, I out there. I, come on, it's, at the end of the day, guys, at the end, we have to remember it's football. We're doing it for the love and the passion of the sport. Um, I once asked the Concacaf president what would happen if you guys want to win the Gold Cup because I was actually at the Gold Cup game for when we played French guy and I was, you know, cheering on and then I was watching everybody in the uh, in the suite with the other CFU and, you know, in you know, Caribbean man, I said, yeah, supporting Caribbean man, for sure, for sure, and Trinidad was playing French guy and, and the Concacaf president was like, boy, you do what you want. If, if Canada come out with the Gold Cup, yeah, I first one taking the trophy around the ninth higher lap around the pitch. So, yeah. That's all part of it, you know. I forget where you come from. Yes. All right. Thanks again, bro. Hope to do that again soon. No problem. Take care, guys. 
Premier League, Bundesliga, League on La Liga. Bias brothers, we go hit you with a football fever. Tune in right here. The ones will make it smile, or even try to. We be rapping from the TNT, my bros and me, more fire than CNT3. So I see to TV sits and all those flicks, they can't touch this. Like Lano when I shot that tip and bang.